Hi everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're in the midst of our study in the book of James. We've been studying the book of James and our series called Flatline Faith. And as Rebecca, my Valentine, just said, if you haven't been keeping up with us, you can go back and connect uh, with kcf.life and and catch the first three messages in this series because we're going to continue to study James all the way through because we do not want our faith to a flat line. Did you catch the title for this morning's message yet? Uh, I don't know if you're on social media and that's where you're checking it out or maybe you got an email, but did you see the message? The topic, the title is Taming the Thumbs. And I wonder how many people thought it was a typo. <laughs> when you saw that title, did you think that? Um, put it in the chat or on the Facebook group and say, yeah, I thought they missed the mark. Well, open to the book of James this morning, to chapter 3. And come to chapter 3 with me. And what does the title at the top of this chapter say in your translation of Scripture, your version of Scripture? Mine says, Taming the Tongue. Taming the tongue, taming the thumbs. We're going to talk about this. Our team, as we prepare this series and we're drawing together the themes that James was talking about, right away the team said, we do as much talking with our thumbs as we do our tongues. And so I, I said, well, let's lean into it and see if James' teaching addresses both what we speak verbally and perhaps what we speak socially. And so that's a little bit of our focus is going to go this morning. And I understand not everybody does talking with their thumbs, as in texting. But maybe you do it on a video call, a lot of this or a lot of that. <laughs> but there's a lot of talking that goes on. And that's what James chapter 3 is getting at. And so I'm going to ask, before you judge me or judge the title of this message, you would wait and see what fruit is produced out of it. If you've already read James 3, you know what I'm talking about when it comes to judgment. So stay tuned. There's a little hint where we're going. But this morning, Valentine's Day, I want to do a shout out to two people who I love. That's my in-laws. I want to shout out to Earl and Christine Harding. They have been my in-laws for 26 years. That's how long I've been married. But they don't do a lot of talking with their thumbs, but they definitely, I'm thankful they do on FaceTime, that weekly we can connect and see them and express love. And so they've been plugging in from up north of Toronto, but every week with us as well. And I know many of you join us uh, in different parts of Ontario or across Canada or beyond that. And we are so thankful that you come together to grow as disciples of Jesus. So today, let's look at applying James' teaching to the words that form and we use our tongues to express them, or the words that form and we use our thumbs to communicate them. For those of you who got this connection right away, um, you might have been thinking, oh, this wasn't a typo. But obviously, typos come to mind when we're typing with our thumbs or when we do talk to text. Have you ever had that experience? 
I don't know if I can admit to that because if I'm holding a smartphone, really it should live up to its name. So it should be able to interpret what I'm trying to type, right? And correct my typos. <laughs> well, unfortunately, my phone doesn't always live up to its name. And some of my coworkers received some interesting texts from me. Uh, I think of specifically of Tammy when she came on to the, into the role of operations manager. And I began to text and communicate with her, whether it was email or text, to, to uh, communicate what's happening in the office. And, and for some reason, my smartphone didn't recognize my either talk to text or thumbs to text. And it took her name from Tammy and it called her things like Timmy or Tommy. A uh, little embarrassing when she responded back to me one time and said, do you realize you actually called me trashy? <laughs> so there is lots of typos that could happen, whether they're our own error or because our smartphones don't live up to it. So some of our, our texts are humorous. Some of them can be embarrassing, though. And sadly, some aren't typos at all that they're sent with a message that is doing more harm than good. In applying James' teaching, uh, as he addresses our tongues and our thumbs, he actually says something very clear that our tongues can be a restless evil, full of deadly poison. (laughs) That's what we're going to look into in James chapter 3. Why is James addressing our words? Think again about the context of the first chapters that we've already studied to this point this morning. James chapter 1 is is all an introduction to the themes and the, the summary points for the rest of the chapters that he has written. Remember last Sunday how I focused in on James 1 verse 21, where he said, Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. That's context for when we get to this chapter about teaching on the tongue. James is saying there's a word, the Spirit of Christ is planted in you. Jesus, who expresses the thoughts of the Father, which you can realize through the Holy Spirit. This is chapter 1, verse 21. It's context for coming to chapter 3. James also said, look into not a mirror where your reflection is going to, you're going to forget it, but he said, look into the perfect law that gives freedom. The only thing that gives freedom, the only law that gives freedom is the one centered on love. He said, look into the royal law that God loves you, that we are called to love God and to love one another. This is the context, then, that we come to chapter 3. Because it will help us understand chapter 2, like we studied last week. And now into chapter 3 of how do we walk out the expression of our words. And it's interesting, as I think of James, he had a front row seat for observing his brother, Jesus Christ. Observing Jesus and the words Jesus used and the words Jesus no doubt received and heard. Because think for a moment, what are some of the things that might have been spoken to Jesus or said about him? When he was a young boy, think what other kids might have said to him. Maybe his own siblings, because Jesus was without sin. 
Think about the fact that Jesus, even in his young junior high age, was hanging out in the temple to learn about his heavenly father. What kind of things, mean things, do you think other kids said to him? Maybe they called him goody two-shoes. <laughs> or maybe they called him a teacher's pet or a suck-up. Maybe they said he's mama's favorite. <laughs> think about it. We, ha- we, know that mean- we know of the mean things that kids say. We don't have to probably go too deep into our memories to think when we were a kid and some of the mean things we might have said. Why do we do it? Often it's to make ourselves look better, to make ourselves look bigger, smarter, quicker. If we put somebody else down, then hopefully that'll allow us to look even better. What a false thought, isn't it? I remember as a child, things still, now that I'm 50 years old, I remember still some things I said as a child that I'm embarrassed by, that I would never want to go back and hear again. But they come out of us. Think about Jesus in his young adult years, his 20-year-old, 20s, in his 20s, and then as he began his ministry in his 30s. We also know that adults can say some mean things. So here's some of the things that were written down and recorded that were said about Jesus. Some said he was working for the devil, or Beelzebub. You can read that in Matthew 12. And that was said of religious leaders about Jesus. In John chapter 10, this is a chapter known for Jesus saying, I've come to give you life. But if you read just a few short verses after those words of Jesus, some people accused him of being demon-possessed. And they said he's raving mad. Like, these are the things that are recorded that were said about Jesus. Others accused him of speaking blasphemy. If these are the things that were written down about Jesus, what do you think was said behind his back? James would have heard many of these things that I just expressed. Maybe he thought some of those as a child when he was jealous of his brother. But what he watched and observed was how Jesus handled the, the words spoken against him, and his own articulation of words. And I believe a big reason that James experienced a spiritual transformation, a transformation of his spirit that led to the transforming of his soul, was because he was a firsthand witness of how Jesus walked and talked and lived by the Spirit of God. James heard all of this and was aware of it. But something compelled James to follow after his brother as Messiah, Savior, and Lord. And I believe it's what we're hearing him teach and talk is an overflow from what he observed of Jesus. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. James begins, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Whoa. (laughs) At this moment, I kind of want to fold up the book and set it down (laughs) and not be the one standing in front of you bringing some teaching this morning. But as I look here, what James is actually saying to those who are listening, to the 12 tribes that were sown in many different places, to you and I and many generations down through history, is James was leveling the playing field when it came to teaching. 
And what he was saying was, not many of you should presume that you know it all. And you're at a high position that you think you should be the ones to teach and instill thoughts on others. Don't be arrogant as you come forward in speech. Because in verse 2, he goes on to say, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. I wonder if James is thinking about himself at the beginning of verse 2. Many of us stumble, and he's thinking, oh, I did throughout life. I'm embarrassed some of the ways I stumble. And then he gets to the second half of verse 2, and he said, if anyone can keep uh, track of what he's saying, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Now I think he's thinking of Jesus Christ. He's thinking of Jesus and his words. And so James continues, and he says, let's talk words. Look at verse 3. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants them to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Like, James, these are some pretty clear words you're speaking here. He's talking about the power of the tongue and the words that come from it. James references three items. And he says, think about a horse. We can control it with a bit or harness. Think about a ship that is steered uh, by just a little rudder in comparison to the size of the ship. And then he says, now think about a forest fire, a raging fire that demolishes acres of land. And he says, that fire is is started by just a small spark. And James says, now what I want you to know, your tongue can have just as much impact. Steering in a right direction or steering in a destructive direction. James has come saying the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Is that true? <laughs> Do you know that of your own tongue and use of it? He, and he's pointing out some of the dangers that can happen. Yes, we can steer a small thing, but a small thing can steer a whole body. And as he said at the end of those verses, can set a whole body, a whole life on fire. He didn't say it might, but it does. He's saying there's a danger of what happens here. He's addressing what we all know, what we say that can be hurtful and harmful. Think about it in the context of our relationships. We can start a fire in some of those relationships with the use of our tongue, the words that we speak. Or we can start something that's not just a fire, but it becomes an explosion that gets overheated and causes division and is ripped apart. How do I know this? 
because I've lived long to, enough to observe it, because I've been in relationships where, where I've said hurtful things, where I've hurt a relationship, hurt another person, simply because of the words that I let come out of my mouth. And I'm aware of this also because the enemy does not want unity and love to be what's at the, the, that draws our relationships together. The enemy wants to see fires started. The enemy wants to see divisions happen in relationships. So think even on today, Valentine's Day, a day when we are to express love in our relationships, whether that's to a spouse, partner, or whether it's within your family, to your, to your parents, to your kids, to your grandchildren, to your grandparents, or it's a relationship with an extended family or a friend or a neighbor, a housemate. It's a day we think about expressing and extending love to one another. But the enemy of God, the one who came to steal, kill, and destroy, does not want us to express words of love to one another. He wants to divide. He wants to destroy. And so if he can get that little spark going, then he's going to pour some fuel on it so that it expands. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had a time when you've been in a conversation with somebody and you could feel your emotions starting to rise? Words are going back and forth and you can feel the defense. So you start to rise up a little bit and you're thinking, how do I counteract what they're saying? And just for a brief second, a thought comes to your mind that you should, you think you should say it and you, you pause for that brief second and you consider, should I say this or not? Like it's just a second hesitation. And before you know it, your emotions rise up and they overwhelm past that thought and you just speak it out. And then you regret it. This is some of the context that James is speaking to in these moments about the use of our tongue and words that overflow and set things on fire that get destructive. So I'm here as well this morning to say, can this message also apply to our thumbs, not just our tongues? The words that we send out, the messages that we post, the, the response that we do, and then we think, oh, if I could only delete that and get it back, I should have thought before I hit the send button. We send so many messages, texts, over our mobile provider, or maybe they're DMs, direct messages, through iMessage, through Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Insta, TikTok. Like the, the app forms are endless, so the opportunities for us to, to message and send words are endless. Do our thumbs ever communicate words in the same way that James is referring to in the context of our tongues communicating? Absolutely they do. I would say hands down, but maybe that's a bit of a pun on what I'm talking about here this morning. Stay tuned on that. Maybe that'll be our solution as we draw this chapter to a close. Look at verse 7. James continues. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I kind of want to think, oh my goodness, that sounds so negative, James. I hear what you're saying about taming animals and how hard it is to do that. But he says no one can tame the tongue. So is there any hope 
for us. <laughs> what are we going to do? Well, he's not done his chapter yet. Don't leave class early today, all right? Stay here with me. Don't finish yet. As you're thinking and processing this, look at verse 9. But now let me insert the word thumbs instead of tongues. With the thumbs, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same thumbs come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. That's James speaking. It applies both ways, right? We can cheer somebody on, and then when their back is turned, we can do the opposite to them, or maybe use some other finger gesture. Our words and our thoughts come expressed through our bodies. And this is what James is calling our attention to. So turn to verse 13, just carrying on further. Who is wise and understanding among you? James asks. Well, James, I want to be wise. I want to have understanding. He says, then let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. Oh, yeah. James talked about wisdom in chapter 1, didn't he? Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, ask for it. Why was he teaching us that back in chapter 1? So that when it comes to the use of our tongues and our thumbs, he's going to set us up for using wisdom for, in our communication. Verse 14. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. Oh, James, I don't want to go anywhere without the wisdom from heaven. He makes it clear what earthly wisdom is like. He makes it clear what harmful speech and practices are like. He says, be aware of, be cautious of all of this. And then he continues, and here's some good part that leads to fruit that we can produce. Verse 17, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. James is now talking about why we were to ask for wisdom and how the need for wisdom applies when it comes to the communication that we do through words whether they come through our tongue or whether they come through our thumbs. James does not want us to remain in a spot of condemnation. He doesn't want us sitting in a spot where we feel paralyzed, where we feel like, like the enemy has now taken a hold of us and we've got to do everything of our own initiative to get out of this. No. Romans chapter 8 says there is no more condemnation. You are not condemned in Jesus Christ but you are set free from the law that condemns. And so your response to this message is to be not to put in our own human solutions to try and figure our way out of our speech 
uh, embarrassing moments or our mishaps. But what we're to do is to come and apply God's wisdom in everything so that our speech can overflow with words that are pure, peace-loving, considerate. Have those words been the words that describe your speech this morning so far, today, February 14th? Have they described your words from this week? Are you calling on the wisdom of heaven to guide you in the communication of your words? James is saying that our words can be filled with, being filled with the wisdom of heaven, our words can be submissive, full of mercy can be products of good fruit. He said our words can be so filled with God's wisdom that they're not showing impartiality, but they're showing inclusiveness and they're sincere. That's wisdom from heaven that will come through our communication. I know this because I can feel the tension in my own communicating of words when my emotions start to rise and the battle to do I, do I go with what, what sounds just right, what my emotions are driving me? Or do I go with what the wisdom of heaven is deep and steeped within me and that I've prayed and invited to overflow out of my life? Think of James in this moment in his relationship with Jesus he may have heard Jesus say, but if he didn't, he saw Jesus demonstrate that out of the overflow of the mouth, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's recorded, Jesus is recorded saying these words in Luke 6. He said a good person brings good things out of the good stored up in his or her heart. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his or her heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Those were Jesus' words. James observed them, and now James is teaching. So what is he saying should be in our heart is the wisdom of heaven. That's why he says, ask for it. Come back to the seed that was planted in you. Humbly accept the word, the seed, the truth of Jesus that is planted in you by faith because you're going to need it to grow and flow out of you. So an application of this morning's message is that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth and the thumbs speak. Have you ever said or sent something that you regretted? Maybe it was something that was embarrassing to you, or maybe it embarrassed somebody else. Have you ever said or sent something that was foolish? And you're just like, that was so bad. Or have you ever said or sent something that was hurtful and damaging? Something that you wish you could hit the delete on. Or you wish hadn't been spoken out into the air. You know, you can go back and admit that. And just say, hey, my friend. I'm sorry, I didn't use the wisdom of heaven when I was talking to you yesterday. Or the text I sent you this week, that, that, that it came from me. But as I rethink it, that is not the sincerity I want to connect and communicate with you. You see, as I, as I address chapter 3, our immediate human solution when we mess up with words is to try and take control of them. 
if there literally was a delete button, and there is on some apps, right? We can go back and delete and say, oh, erase that message. <laughs> There's not so much verbally when we put it out. But if there was, we would use that option many times. We would think, why don't I, you know what, I'm just going to stop talking. <laughs> I'm going to close my mouth more. <laughs> I'm going to talk less. Maybe if I just wasn't in relationships with people, then I wouldn't say dumb or hurtful things. This is some of our human ways of solving this problem. Or maybe when it comes to this, you think, you know what? Um, this is what I'm going to do. Before I send a text, I'm going to pick up my Bible and I'm going to touch it. <laughs> or maybe I'm going to stick my thumbs inside of it and just sit on it. And that will help me. That's our human way of solving some of these issues. But James says, just straight out, use the wisdom of heaven. Use the spirit of Christ that is planted in you. It's there to bring truth and the fruit of heaven out of you. That's why he says in chapter 1, verse 21, get rid of moral filth. When moral filth starts to come up, we have an option. And before we let it come out of our tongues or our thumbs, we can submit it to God and say, God, is this of you? Is this pure? Is this peace-loving? Is this helpful? Is it submitted? And if it's not, then we could say, God, delete it. I take control of that and delete it in Jesus' name. I want your fruit, the wisdom of heaven, to flow out of me. Friends, this is the thought I want to leave you with as I bring all of chapter 3 down is this. Invite the Spirit of Christ that is inside of you to form the words that come out of you. Invite the Spirit of Jesus Christ that is inside of you by faith. Invite him to form the words that come out of your tongue, your mouth, or out of your thumbs and your texting and posting. He is the creator of our thumbs. He wasn't surprised by the impact that these devices could have. He's the creator of our tongues. He knew that we could set a fire in a relationship and destroy somebody with them, and yet he still created with us with the capacity to communicate. Therefore, I believe that the Spirit in us can form the heavenly words that should come out of us. James learned this through and through. He went be, from being somebody who said things that weren't kind about Jesus to being now the spokesperson for all of the church of Jerusalem. What a difference. God entrusted James because the Spirit of Christ was in him. So as we pause here, before we sign off this morning, let's take our, our, our seconds of meditation. Let's just be quiet for a moment and let this thought sink in. And I, have, I encourage you to make it a prayer right now before I, I pray us out this, today. Is do this. Invite the Spirit of Christ inside you to form the words that come out of you. Take a moment just to focus and listen to the Spirit and pray that prayer.
Father who is in heaven, who has a holy name and whose name I want to declare. Your name, God, who I want to represent and honor you and bring honor to you through my communicating of words. Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ, who I have received as Lord and Savior, who lives in me. And Father, for every person, I pray on behalf of them who've received your Son as their Savior, we have Christ living in us. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to form the words that will come out of our tongues, off of our tongues, and out of our thumbs today, this week. Father, we know that the enemy is going to try and shame, condemn us. And so we say no in Jesus' name to condemnation because there's no more. We are free and alive in you. And so we invite you by your grace, by your anointing, by your power from heaven to speak life from our, our mouths and from our texting, from our communication, God. We know it's possible because you created us and you want to bring good things out of your truth that is planted in our hearts. And so we invite you to do that today, tonight, tomorrow. Father, lead us by your Spirit so that the fruit of heaven is evident in our lives and in the relationships that we have. Thank you, God, for your amazing love today. We look forward to going forward in it and expressing it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Be blessed, church, as you go this week, communicating in the Spirit and the love of Jesus. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.